0: on the Google Play or App Store, or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved Via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MeatEater for 10% off your purchase. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon.
1: Welcome to the wired to hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon, and this is episode number 322. And today we're back with a late season edition of our rut fresh radio, getting you up to date Intel on current deer activity, how weather and other conditions are impacting them and what you can do right now to fill a tag.
2: Right, welcome to this week's episode of Wired the Hunts Rut Fresh Radio. This is your host, Spencer North, and we are without Mark Kenyon this week, as he's in the field looking for Tran, and I just got home from Nebraska after three days there hunting in the western part of the state. Ordinarily during this part of the podcast, Mark and I would talk about some of our own observations that we've had while hunting. And while we can't get his input this week from Michigan, I can tell you what I was seeing in Nebraska. For starters, the conditions were really tough. The area just got pounded with a big snowstorm, and that seemed to move a lot of the deer from public lands down into the obvious places that had really good cover, really good food, and water. On our first day there, Ryan Calhan and I walked seven miles and were only able to glass up one mule deer doe. That was it. But what was telling was that when we left in our vehicle uh, a few miles away, we drove by this little river bottom that was a cut cornfield, and in that field there were probably 50 different whitetails. As far as any secondary rod activity, uh, the places that we did see deer, these private land areas, um, these urban areas like city parks that had deer hanging out there, the deer were so grouped up that there was just naturally some sort of rutting activity where these bucks would be pushing around does, um, but it didn't seem to the point where it would change the pattern of these deer or anything like that or cause them to go on these really long walkabouts. But when you put that many deer in one area, there's just going to be some of that where the bucks are nosing around does and that kind of thing. So if I were predicting... So if I were putting together a late season plan to kill one, like I said, with the snow on the ground in a lot of the country, just look for that obvious stuff, the food, the water, the shelter, and go from there. Use that snow to figure out where these deer are entering and exiting the field and get there plenty early in the evenings because it seems like the doe and the fawns are the first ones to file in and usually right towards sunset, the bucks are the ones to follow. If you want more info like this and a little bit more details on how to kill a buck late season, head over to TheMeatEater.com. We're on our homepage right now. You're going to find a recent article from Mark Kenyon called The Late Season Deer Hunting Guide to Success, where Mark talks about what you need to know and what you need to do to pull off a successful mature buck hunt this time of year. Besides my report from Nebraska this week, we're going to hear from Joe Call from Minnesota Rackstars in Minnesota. Then we go to Alabama and talk to Andrew Maxwell from the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. And then in Pennsylvania from East Meets West Hunt Podcast, we talk to Bob Martonic. And then we go to Missouri and talk to Colby Bailey from Commit Outdoors. All right, and with that, let's get to the first caller. All right, and joining us on the line next is Joe Call from Minnesota Rackstars in Minnesota. Now, Joe, in Minnesota, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10?
3: I would say probably around uh, 3 uh, just because our firearm season just ended here not too long ago. Um, you know, the the deer are a little more skittish right now, a little more cautious. But, uh, you know, that second rut is occurring right now. So, I mean, there's that opportunity to catch that buck cruising. And, uh, yeah, I would just say things things tighten up a little bit once the uh, firearm season ends around here. But, uh, you know, we, we have been seeing some deer moving around, that's for sure.
2: You mentioned the secondary rut there. How do you think this season is going to be for a secondary rut in Minnesota, and what's your strategy for killing one of those deer?
3: You know, I think it's going to be all right. Uh, We actually had a a decent buck show up on camera that we haven't seen all year, so that's a a good indicator that uh, these bucks are really starting to move around trying to find those last does, Um, but I think uh, overall it's going to be fairly decent we just got dumped on here with a lot of snow uh, we're starting to see exactly where these deer are traveling uh, so that's that's kind of nice uh, you know you can run trail cameras all you want but if you're you know 10 15 yards off uh, you're not going to get those deer on camera but once you hop out in the snow and out in the woods and you start seeing these tracks you kind of have an idea of where these deer are traveling but I would say second secondary rut here is uh, is going to be pretty good just because The weather is a lot cooler. Those deer are going to be moving a lot more. And then also with the snow, uh, they're limited where those food sources are. So a lot of things are adding up for a pretty good secondary rut here in Minnesota.
2: You mentioned that you've been seeing some new deer on your trail cameras. What is your trail cam strategy this time of year?
3: You know, find those trails where we're seeing deer tracks and and get the cameras on there. Also, food sources are big right now. We have, uh, you know, throughout the state, I know uh, up north, they, they ended up getting close to 20 inches of snow up there. Uh, around where we're at, we probably ended up with a foot. Uh, so, you know, instead of, you know, digging around the snow for acorns and stuff, these deer are hitting acorn, uh, the uh, the cornfields and also the bean fields, alfalfa fields. So I think, uh, you know, those those field edges are a great spot to uh, have trail cameras set up, but then also those those heavy trails that you're seeing in the snow.
2: You mentioned food sources there. What other food sources should hunters be focused on in Minnesota?
3: Um, anything that's standing. You know, uh, you know, harvest fields, they're, they're still attracting, but anything that's standing uh, with the deep snow, it's going to be uh, easier for those deer to access. You know, if it's a standing cornfield, um, I think those are great spots right now. Standing beans, I know uh, a lot of farmers did not get in their fields to harvest because it was such a, a wet fall. Um, you know, anything that's standing is, I think is going to be a great attraction for, for deer this uh, winter.
2: You mentioned the recent snowstorm that Minnesota just got. How does that change things for you?
3: You know, just the travel routes are are totally different now. Uh, the ditches are, are filled up completely with snow and, you know, these deer aren't just roaming around anymore. They're going to stay on trails. They're going to go where there's less snow. I know in my yard, I have a trail going through my yard now because there's less snow in my yard, but. Um, you know, just try to find those pinch points with the snow now, I guess and and try to get on them um what What has made it difficult overall uh, is you know after rifle season, uh you know those deer get a little more cautious. I had a buck come in uh, a young buck come in a week before rifle season, and he walked right over my track uh, no problem, and then I ended up going out the weekend after rifle season, and that same buck came through and he caught my track, and he, you know, was very alert right after he caught that. So these deer are a lot more cautious now. Um, they're moving just after, you know, sunset. So it makes it a little more difficult, but it makes it more of a challenge, and that's what makes it fun.
2: Do you notice a change in bedding come December in Minnesota?
3: No doubt. Um, you know, they're going to go uh, where there's good thermal cover, whether it's cattails or, uh uh, pine trees are a good source of cover. Come, you know, December and January, uh, we're supposed to be getting a, a really hard uh, cold front coming through here pretty quick. So those are great areas to key in on. Uh, you're going to start seeing a shift in their in their patterns. That's for sure, just because of uh, the snow and the cold.
2: Going forward, then in this next week or so, what do you think
3: that buck activity is going to be
2: on a scale of one to ten in Minnesota?
3: I would say it's probably going to be the same about around a three or four. Uh, you know, like I said, it's, it's getting more difficult now, but, uh, there's still going to be some, some bucks moving around yet, looking for those last available does. Uh, and, and that's what makes it so rewarding taking a deer this time of year, because you're faced with more adversity. And then when you're able to overcome that, it makes it really rewarding.
2: All right, Joe, well, good luck to you and everyone else from Minnesota Rackstars. Thanks for joining me.
3: Sounds good. Thanks Spencer.
2: All right. And joining us on the line next is Andrew Maxwell in Alabama from the Southern Outdoorsman podcast. Now, Andrew in Alabama, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of one to 10?
4: Uh, I'm going to go ahead and go with probably like a six, maybe a seven. Um, the reason I say that is because in my particular area, we're just now kind of teetering on the edge of rut and I've been doing a little pre-rut hunting lately. And, um, I have, I've had a few encounters, but a couple of friends of mine have actually already had success and killed some bucks and, uh, talking to them about how they did it. Um, it was mainly killing them in the bedding areas. Um, so the deer really aren't, you know, cruising out in daylight a whole bunch, you know, like they would be probably later in this week, but, um, but they're definitely there to be had and they're running a lot of scrapes right now is, for, is uh, what we've seen. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'd put it like a six.
2: How about the rest of Alabama? What phase of the rut are other parts of the state in right now?
4: Um, the vast majority of Alabama right now is pretty far out from the rut. Uh, you have pockets here and there, which my particular area I'm talking about, like kind of Bibb County area, Alabama, kind of central Alabama. Uh, we have a rut that comes in mid-December. The majority of Alabama has kind of a mid-January rut, and you have other parts of Alabama that have a February rut. So, I mean, we're very strung out. Um, and I would say that the majority of guys are still not even in pre rut yet.
2: In the part of state that you're hunting that's currently in pre rut, are you hunting mornings at this point?
4: Oh yeah, for sure. Um we're we're definitely getting aggressive with it this time of year, especially because rifle season has already kicked in. And while on a lot of these WMAs you can't rifle hunt every day, you can rifle hunt on the weekends, uh, which is when we typically get to get out. So our strategy has been, you know, go in uh, in the mornings and just try and get in really early and watch over some uh, thick cover. Um, not necessarily hunting any kind of food sources or anything, mainly hunting travel corridors right on the edge of bedding areas, or if we can, uh, we'll get up like in a tree overlooking a bedding area where we can see down into it.
2: Hunters who are looking for food sources, what kind of areas should they be focused on right now?
4: Um, if you have water oaks in your area, those are always a really good choice right now. Um, our white oaks are mainly dried up at this point. Uh, there's just not many of them to go around. Uh, of course, your red oaks are going to be good. So maybe some higher elevations if you got them. Um, if you got big hills, you know, try and get up on those hills, find those red oaks. If you got swamp lands, uh, I would walk the swamps until you find some water oaks because they're really hammering water oaks right now too. Outside of that, I would definitely recommend trying to find some kind of greenery within some good cover or in like very close proximity to it. And when I say greenery, I mean, green briar, honeysuckle, or really any other kind of vine that, uh, that, that stands out right now as being green. I mean, one thing that we talk about with people who were bringing out the hunt with us we're like, man, when I, when I find a thick area and it's just got all kinds of vines and everything hanging down in it, and I can see green in there, even though it's mid December. Yeah, that's going to be a good area because there's typically going to be a lot of deer hammering that green stuff. Even though there are still acorns out there, they really hammer that green stuff hard.
2: Are you seeing much for sign making at this point, and how does that factor into your decision making for a
4: hunt? Yeah, we're seeing a ton of sign making right now. Like this is probably peak sign making. You know, there's straight Every logging road's got scrapes going down it. Uh, there's just rubs popping up all over the place. So we're not necessarily hunting based off that i mean it's a confidence thing if you see that's there and i mean if it's just screaming red hot then then we're definitely going to hunt in the area but really with with scrapes and rubs at this point if we don't look at it and think it was made you know within the last 24 hours we almost don't pay attention to it um so i mean it's, it's nice to know it's there but it's not really making a decision for us
2: are you using any aggressive tactics like calling or decoying at this point?
4: Uh, we have been calling a little bit, um, doing a little bit of rattling. I haven't had any success with it yet, uh, but again, a couple other guys that I hunt with, they've been rattling, and they've had a little bit of success, um, but really it just—it doesn't seem like it's, it's worked that well for any of us down here just yet. I don't know if the timing's off or if, the, if our setups just aren't good, but uh, as far as calling, we haven't done a whole lot of it, and we haven't seen a lot of success with it so far.
2: If you're currently in pre-rut, when do you expect
4: to start seeing some seeking and chasing? I think that by the end of this week, we're going to see some chasing. I mean, we're like I said earlier, we're right on the edge of it. It should blow wide open here pretty quick. Um, I killed my buck last year on December 14th, and which is this coming Saturday. It'll be a year ago. And he was out. Uh, actually killed him in a bedding area, and he was pushing through that bedding area chasing a doe. Um, so I fully expect it should be that way again this year. I mean, pretty much every year around the the 10th to like the 18th it's just wide open in this area um and you know weather conditions might have an impact on that um you know people say like the rut happens sooner or later but the breeding dates are always pretty much the same so you know you know they're out there chasing and doing their thing you know it's just a matter of if you're in the right spot or not
2: going forward then in the next week or so what do you expect that bug activity to be on a scale of one to ten in alabama
4: I'm going to go with like an eight or a nine, because again, you know, the, the weather conditions this weekend aren't all that fantastic. We're looking at like probably highs in the mid sixties, um, and kind of rainy. But again, like I said, the, the breeding dates are consistent year to year. So you know that the deer have to be out there doing their thing somewhere. It's just a matter of if we're on top of them or not. So I think the buck movement's going to be there, but whether or not we can capitalize on it, it's definitely going to depend if we can push into the right areas.
2: All right, Andrew, well, I'm jealous that the best rut hunting is still ahead of you. Good luck, and thanks for joining me.
4: (laughs) Appreciate it, Spencer.
1: We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time, Seafoam Motor Treatment. Because people everywhere rely on it to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. So, help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com
0: to learn more. This episode is brought to you in part by O'Reilly Auto Parts who are in the business of keeping your car on the road and also keeping you happy. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. I use the O'Reilly by me. It's right in downtown where I live. And the team there is super knowledgeable. When you got questions, they're happy to help you out. It's a great store to go into. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts, they can test your battery for free in or out of your car. And don't ignore your check engine light. Ask for O'Reilly Veriscan today, a free diagnostic service exclusively at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Need your windshield wipers replaced, brake light fixed, quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop to get some help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one stop shop for all things do it yourself, and you can find what you need in the store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at o'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'Reilly Auto, O R E I L L Y, O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater.
2: All right, and joining us on the line next is Colby Bailey in Missouri from Commit Outdoors. Now, Colby, in Missouri, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Uh,
5: Lately, I would say probably at a 4 to 5 in the last week or so, it has dramatically dropped. Um, Any cell cam activity that we've had has been mainly after dark. Uh, I was lucky enough to uh, harvest my first buck or my second buck, I guess, of the season, Um, during rifle season, but, uh, that was November 19th and I think I was lucky enough to catch kind of a late cruiser that had been bouncing around, I think from bedding area to bedding area. And I was happened just to be set up outside of a, uh, small, small little bedding area that was pretty, pretty woolly as far as, uh, cover goes. Um, and yeah, got lucky enough to, uh, slip one on him.
2: You just mentioned the intel that you've gotten from your cell cameras. Where are you running your trail cameras late season?
5: Um, I have kind of moved them around as far as uh, as the season has progressed. Um, early season, I had them kind of on my food sources and travel corridors um, midway through to the cameras that I could access pretty easily. I kind of moved them more towards the bedding areas and outside of bedding areas that I could check relatively easily. Um, and then I have kind of moved them more towards the, uh, food sources here lately. Um, I'm still, I've got a couple on the travel corridors, but it's, it's been pretty interesting, I guess, to see the dramatic decrease of activity on the cameras and kind of correlate two and two together as far as how the seasons progressed and how the ruts went on.
2: What food sources should hunters in Missouri be focused on right now?
5: Um, there is still a lot of uh, corn and beans out um, that are still that the farmers haven't been able to get out yet. Um, there's it's actually been pretty pretty tough to uh, to hunt any food sources here in Missouri. Re- really, um, like I said, it's been I think really wet for the farmers to get in and get some of those crops picked. So if a person could um, sit on some bean fields or ag fields as far as that goes corn obviously makes it a little tough to see anything in but you might catch something sneaking in and out
2: is the gun pressure significant enough in missouri that you notice a shift in buck movement this time of year
5: Uh, yeah uh that's we mainly in north central missouri where i'm located at uh there's not too many farmers that have any large parcels um i know of a few people that have you know three four hundred acres but Um, I mainly hunt small 50 to 80 acre parcels, and it seems like if you can let them lay low and kind of stay out to the best times of the season, um, I think that has definitely helped in our scenario is just not pressure spots that we want to go into um, and kind of let everybody else put their pressure on them and have kind of a sanctuary more or less for them uh, when time does come.
2: Do you notice a change in bedding this time of year?
5: Uh, yes, actually, we. Uh, one of the properties that I hunt is basically a CRP grass, tall grassy area, um, and as the season progresses, <clears throat> I've. Twice, actually, this year we uh, kicked up a solid mature buck with a doe right out in the middle of the CRP grass. So, as the season progressed from early season where they wanted to be in, in the cover they've kind of eased their way out and they are in the open I guess a little bit more but they're locked tight when we have found them and so I think the bucks are just following the does and wherever they want to cruise to they're just tagging along.
2: Going forward then this next week or so what do you think that bucket activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Missouri?
5: Um, from a week ago it is dramatically decreased in my neck of the woods um like i said from the trail cameras and the pressure that we've put on them as, as far as like rifle season and bow season uh starting back up uh i would say if you're lucky you might be a five i would say in most areas probably be a four three area
2: All Right, colby well good luck to you and everyone else from commit outdoors thanks for joining me
5: spencer i appreciate you man you guys have a good one good luck this season
2: All right, and joining us on the line last is Bo Martonic from the East Meet West Hunt podcast in Pennsylvania. Now, Bo, in Pennsylvania, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10?
6: On a scale of 1 to 10, I would say that the buck activity has been around a 4 lately, and most of that is due to rifle season. So gun season came in last weekend, and a lot more pressure
2: has been added to the woods. So I think that's been one of the key factors into the lower number. As a public land hunter, how do you adjust for that rifle hunting pressure?
6: honestly,' at the beginning of the season, it's more or less trying to get to a place that you think that the deer are going to be pushed to, and you know using the hunters to your advantage as we get later into the rifle season here, trying to find some of those those honey holes that they're you know getting thermal cover from the pressure as well as the snow and the the storm, so getting back into hemlocks, pine trees.
2: And, you know, kind of keying in on some logging cuts in the first first and last light. You talked about finding those honey holes on public land. Describe to me what that looks like, what you're looking for as far as bedding, food sources, traveling, all that stuff.
6: So usually it's more of an overlooked area than anything. It doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, far back in the woods or anything, but usually thick cover and 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 terrain features that kind of keep people from going in there might be a steep valley on each side that can be real thick with hemlocks uh rocks and um old clear cuts anything like that is what i'm looking for because even with the the gun pressure and people walking through it they
2: can hunker down and hide unless you step right on top of them they're not going to move what are some of the primary food sources that hunters in pennsylvania should be focused on right now
6: Right now, I mean,
2: I, I think with the, the cold weather coming in here and everything,
6: a fresh logging cut is about as good as it's going to get with the tops laying down and, and basically the, the deer around here are browsers for the most part. So they're going to feed on those tops and blackberry briars, any sort of um, twigs that are coming up in those areas. So that's where the most of the food source is. Acorns are a little bit tough, um, just because of usually those areas are a little bit more open woods, and the the deer aren't coming out in that in the daylight right
2: now with the pressure. Sometimes this time of year hunters can see some secondary rut activity. Is that something that you normally observe in Pennsylvania, or do you not count on that with your hunts? I don't count on it, but I definitely see it a little bit. Last year this time of year,
6: I was able to call in my buck that was bumping around a doe the beginning of December and actually just today I received a a photo from my cell camera of a buck working a scrape pretty good here like at at, uh, noon so
2: it's uh there's definitely
6: some of that that goes on but I don't really count on it.
2: You mentioned a trail camera there where are your trail cameras focused this time of year and is that different than where you've had them in November and October?
6: So I don't run a
2: whole lot of trail cameras this time of year,
6: just from the standpoint of worrying about them getting stolen. But for the most part, I'm keeping them on food sources as an entry and exit going into logging cuts, as well as I'm still running some on scrapes because they'll, they seem to still work those
2: licking branches all the way through January. How did this recent snowstorm change things for you guys in Pennsylvania? It
6: definitely seemed like the deer hunkered down
2: a little bit, um,
6: you know, during and after the storm, but leading up to it, there was a lot of deer movement, um, just before dark. And I think in the next few days that it could be really good, um, for that movement
2: and they're going to be up on their feet wanting to feed a little bit. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to 10 in Pennsylvania? I'm still going to say probably no higher than a six. And the reason I say that is because
6: of Still, they're a little bit afraid from the hunting pressure that they've had with with the weekend coming up and everything else. It's still going to be, uh, it's still, they're going to be hunkered down a little bit more. But uh, with some cold weather coming in and a little bit less pressure, they still might be moving more than normal.
2: All right, Bo. I look forward to following your adventures on East Meets West. Thanks for joining me and good luck. Thanks, Spencer. All right, that concludes this week's episode of Rut Fresh Radio. Thanks to Joe, Andrew, Colby, and Bo for joining me, and thank you guys for listening. As they say, the late season is the great season, so I hope everyone gets out there for some December
5: whitetail hunting.
3: We'll talk to you next week, but until then, stay wired to hunt.
0: I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill.